This talk was given by Ronald Hogan Green Sensei at the Zen Center of New York City. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order and is co-director of the Zen Center of New York City. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation, please visit our website at zmm.mro.org donate. Thanks for your support. Good morning. This is case number 19 in the Mumankan. Ordinary mind is Tao. Chao Chao asked Nanquin, what is Tao? Nanquin said, ordinary mind is Tao. Chao Chao said, should we direct ourselves towards it or not? Nanquin said, if you try and direct yourself towards it, you go away from it. Chao Chao asked, if you do not try, how can we know it is the Tao? Nanquin said, the way, the Tao, does not belong to knowing or not knowing. Knowing is an illusion. Not knowing is blankness. If you really attain to the Tao of no doubt, it is vast and boundless. How can there be right or wrong in the Tao? With these words, Chao Chou was sudden, had sudden understanding. Moomin's Commentary. Question by Chao Chou. Nanquan immediately shows that the, tile is disintegr- that the tile is disintegrating, the ice is dissolving, and no communication whatsoever is possible. Even though Chao Chou may be enlightened, he, truly, he can truly get it only after studying 30 more years. Moomin's poem. Hundreds of flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, and snow in winter. If there is no vain cloud in your mind, for you, it is a good season. In the sutra, it says, It is neither the practice of a common, ordinary person, nor the practice of a sage, but the practice of a bodhisattva. This is what we're doing here. The practice of a bodhisattva. One who cultivates the mind of awakening, and yet whose vow is to have every other being awakened before you yourself are fully awakened, to help every other being do that. All the ordinary actions of walking and standing, sitting, lying down, and all the interactions with people and things around us are the way in. The way is nothing but the whole Dharma Dhatu, the whole phenomenal universe, is the way in. Meaning everything you encounter is the way in. This cone is about ordinary mind. There's a passage in the Shobogenzo by Dogen, which says, although the Buddha's and ancestor and ancestor masters escape from the world meaning the world of samsara, the world of suffering, forget the self and practice the way. They would not be able to attain the way if they were not within the ordinary everyday life. This is because practice of the way is itself to be ordinary. So it's, it's, it's wonderfully challenging and both very simple and yet so seems so inaccessible that 
the ordinary mind of realization is the ordinary life that is before us. Ordinary mind is the way. It's a koan, of course. A koan is a, a question, a spiritual question that cannot be answered by linear sequential thinking, by communication. It has to be by direct seeing, direct realization. It has nothing to do with whether you study koans or the breath or shikantaza. The realization is always direct. It's instantaneous. It's now, behind that realization, there's a lot of practice. It just doesn't come out of the blue. And behind that a lot of practice is a desire to awaken, a deep desire to awaken and live the life of a bodhisattva, which Dogen is pointing at. So many teachers have talked about this ordinary mind. Master Rinzai said, just be yourself with nothing further to do. And they added, to make work on the outside is being a blockhead. And so to make work on the outside means to reach outside you, to look out there for it. So he's asking us to look at that carefully. Master Dogen wrote, the mind of the Buddhas and ancestors is drinking tea and eating rice. This drinking tea and eating rice has been transmitted down to the present day, and therefore the Buddha's activity is alive and well. After all, we drink tea and eat eat lice. (laughs) Perhaps sometimes. Master Gensha said, Shakyamuni and I practiced together. A monk asked, then who did you two study with? Reasonable question. And Gensha said, I studied with the third son of Zay on a fishing boat. That's himself he's referring to. He's the third son. And so it is you. It is just you. It has always been just you. This is the ordinary mind. Shakyamuni and I practice together. And you have to see what Shakyamuni is or you. Same thing, you're practicing together. Kazan said, Shakyamuni Buddha is not this I, and yet Shakyamuni is in this I. Not the I, but the me, I. Not only is he in this I, but the mountains and rivers and great earth are also in this I. This is the life of Shakyamuni Buddha. This is what you realize. So simple. So Chao Cho asked Nanquen, what is the way? The essential question that lies beneath the surface of our life is, what is our way? What is our life? Where is it? How is it? How do we live it? How do we realize it? Is it just some idea in our head, some philosophical perspective that we need to adapt, adopt so that we can understand it and grasp it and call it ourself? Or is it something much vaster and simpler than that? 
And so what is the Tao implicit in that is how do I realize it? How do I make it my own? The term Tao historically was used in India in a particular, in a practical sense of a path on which people travel, which they come and go. Yet it also has an important philosophical and spiritual sense and represents, stands for Buddha mind, prajna, wisdom, non-dual wisdom, non-conceptual wisdom. Zen is pragmatic and practical. We can recognize there's a path, and yet in searching for this, no way can be found. If you look for it, you will not find it. So Tao means the fundamental reality of the universe, the base fundamental reality of you yourself. So what is it? Nanquan said, ordinary mind is Tao. What did Nanquan mean? Everyone has and uses their ordinary mind. Is everyone on the path of realizing the Tao? That's not such an easy question. You know, you might say, obviously not. And yet, taking the long-term view, maybe taking the view of many lifetimes of rebirths and suffering and addressing suffering and karma of that, maybe. Dogen, in Body Mind Study of the Way, which we just studied for three months as Ango, uh, says, everyday mind, ordinary mind, same, same phrase, means to maintain everyday mind in this world or in any world. So in that simple sentence, he's pointing to something. In this world, the so-called ordinary world of getting up in the morning and going to work or sitting or eating rice, drinking tea, or in any world, Yesterday goes forth from this moment, and today comes forth from this place. So think about time in your life, and how you are here, sitting here. And ordinarily, we might think that yesterday comes forth to today. But today also goes forth to yesterday. It always has to go both ways. And today comes forth from this place, this moment. While going, the boundless sky goes, and while coming, the entire earth comes. So what's being left out here of this moment, this simple moment of awareness that you have? This is everyday mind. Studying ourself through our ordinary mind Studying ourself, that's our Zen, deeply, with commitment, carefully. Studying ourself through our ordinary mind, we see no place for the self to alight, to be as a fixed form, a fixed being. This is, I think, obvious in Zazen. I mean, look at our mind in Zazen. There's 
a remarkable sense of ever-changing, no-fixed-form thought being. I mean, that's what you see, coming and going. Now, we can fix it, and, but that is not Sazen. That's delusion. And within Zazen, we are often deluded. And yet, within practice, there's no delusion and enlightenment. We simply practice. The practice swallows all of us. All of us. And there's enormous freedom in that. To realize that within practice, there's no delusion and enlightenment. That, that it can hold our mind doing whatever our mind does or doing what our mind doesn't do, which we should imagine it should do. So we see in Zazen, there's no fixed form. So where is the boundary of coming and going? Where is the thought before there's a thought? After that thought goes, where did it go? There's no fixed form. And it's not just our mind. We see plenty of what seems to be six fixed forms around us. And yet when we study them, they're not fixed. And therefore Dogen says, while going the boundless sky goes, and while coming the entire earth comes. Nothing is being left out. This is everyday mind. Yet our common experience of our being in the way we customarily experience our thoughts is not ordinary. And thus we practice. Thus we study. The challenge is we're thought-layered. We're judgment-layered. We sleepwalk, occasionally become engrossed in some activity, yet our mind operates within layers of cultivated thought processes. And they are cultivated, heavily cultivated. They're cultivated to protect us from pain. They're cultivated out of habit. They're cultivated because that's what we've experienced and been taught. We've purposely grown our delusion. We've carefully watered it, put manure on it. We've got plenty of that in our life. And, and raised it. Encouraged it to grow. And, and we're so layered that we tend to think that our thoughts and judgments are accurate. They're accurate ref- reflections. And not just within our own context, but actually objectively accurate and true. We think that. Is that really so? And, yeah, let me be generous. I can allow a little room for the possibility. Yeah, that's my thought, my judgment. And there are other ways to look at it. But, you know, those other ways are not my way, which is accurate and true. So that's, that's kind of, you know, our baseline of delusion. That's our baseline of suffering. And it's very comfortable. We're accustomed to it. We know it. We trust it. It's easily available to us at any time. And it feels safe. Is it true? When this Cohen takes place, Chow Chow, who allegedly lived to be 100 and 
20. He's young, about 18. And he's eager to know the way. He's direct. What is, what is Tao? Tao is here is a spiritual way, a path. It's enlightenment itself. It's the Dharma when being used this way. It's both a spiritual longing as well as the broad path of spiritual fulfillment. So it's both a path and a fulfillment of the path. I visited China on a pilgrimage in the early 1980s with my teacher, Roshi Kaplow. And we visited a number of monasteries. And uh, historically, Zen in China is very different than how we may, you may have experienced it in Japan and in the United States as well. And that many of the monasteries were not just a Zen monastery or um, a Tendai monastery or a Pure Land monastery. And some of the monasteries we visited were Taoists and sometimes had a combination of Taoist and Zen. Um, so it was interesting. The, the Zen and Taoism uh, were intermingled. Um, it's said that Taoism is the mother of Zen, with its emphasis on nature and the natural way of being, the way, which, of course, there are many studies of the way, all of which are studies of our own mind, from flower arranging to archery and many others. Uh, so Zen is the mother of Zen, and Diana. Zazen, Zen Zen. Zen practice is the father, which Bodhidharma brought from India to China. And so Zen and Taoism are are shot through, totally intermingled, especially as we practice it here. So Chao Cho asked Nan, Nan Kuan, what is the Tao? Nan Kuan said, ordinary mind is the Tao. Ordinary mind. I've mentioned this before, but I, I say it, I repeat it because it was such a pivotal point in my practice. <clears throat> um, I was on an airplane returning from San Francisco. I'd been there for a very intensive week of uh, Buddhist practice. Um, it was at the San Francisco Zen Center. And um, it was United Airlines. And I remember looking at the seat in front of me, directly in front of my face, and the blue and red checkered patterns you may remember from United Airlines. And thinking, wherever the way is, it's got to be right here. It's got to be right here before me in this pattern. It can't be elsewhere. It cannot be elsewhere. And that was a big revelation for me, that it could not be elsewhere. That as much as I grabbed, and I grabbed a lot, and as aggressive as I was, and I was very aggressive and determined to awaken, it could not be outside my own immediate experience of this moment. It had to be that. And yet I could not grab it, and it had to be that. 
So that was a pivot point in my practice. When I began to stop looking outside myself, when I began, as I said earlier, to think of it as Shakyamuni and I practice together, right here, right in this moment of my life. Now, it took a long, long time for that to percolate through me in a way that was actually enabled me to give up my grasping to some degree. But that was an important point. And still, though, at that time, I could not encounter the way, even as I encountered it. But the sense of ordinary mind is clearly not the usual ordinary self-centered, dualistic, everything is separate and different perspective that we ordinarily experience as our life. It's clearly not that. It's not the self-centered mind that we invite our life to revolve around. And yet, it can't be far from us. And so, it takes us, of course, right here. What is, if it's not far from us, what is us? What is me beyond our self-regarding thoughts? We got the self-regarding thoughts down pat. We all know how to do that very, very well. And we know how to do it subtly in innumerable patterns and label it in such a way that we can call it non-self-regarding and still be self-regarding. We're masters at that. We're we're Zen masters at delusion. (laughs) What a wonderful cultivation. When Nanquan says ordinary mind is, is Tao, he's inviting us to look at that, to really look at that very, very carefully. He's inviting us, in a sense, to look at it from the perspective of transformation. By the way, it's okay to change your posture if you're not aware of that during the talk. He's inviting us to transformation, to, to, to look at our life not as a single point we just transform into something else, but transform how we look at our life and how we understand our thoughts and self and how we approach our practice. That transformation from a dualistic and layered perspective of understanding who we are to an open and clear way of being. And yet, it's the same life. We're dealing with the same challenges in our life. When you talk, when you walk, when you speak before realization is not different from how when you talk or walk or speak after realization. Yet after realization, you are deeply entwined. One with, really, as the being of, to use Zen words, form and emptiness, wholeness, and the concrete specific specificity that is before you as that checkered pattern was. And nothing is left out in the midst of the specific action of this moment of being. It's a specific action in a specific relationship. And there it is, walking, talking, speaking, 
listening, eating, and all the activities of our daily life. And yet nothing is left out. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's not an all-or-nothing process. It can't be an all-or-nothing process. So if you lodge there, well, nothing is left out, or, or it's in this specific cup of tea, then you miss that, that practice is awakening, and awakening is practice. You miss that wherever you are at the moment, that's what you're practicing. Dogen says, every day mind opens the gates of the inner chamber because thousands of gates and myriads of doors open and close all at once. It is every day mind. Thousands of gates open and close all at once. Think of all the input, we sensory input we have, all of the possible awarenesses at any given moment, wherever we direct our attention. Thousands of gates are opening and closing at any given moment. And it's all happening moment after moment now. So he says, now this boundless sky and entire earth are like unrecognized words, a voice from the deep. A voice from the deep. How deep within you is that voice? How many tears have we not cried by not listening to that voice? There's nothing left out. And because there's nothing left out, who could speak of this? Who, would, who could describe this? And that's the challenge, to realize it. So I can give a talk on this, and teachers have thousands of years given talks on this. But there's no communication possible when this is realized. You can't describe it. And Dogen says, again, even if you doubt this, even if you don't know this or are afraid, we're all afraid. Every single one of us are afraid. Afraid of ourself and afraid to let go of ourself. Even if you are afraid, this too is ordinary mind. Nothing is left out. When you trust that nothing is left out, you enter through the doorway of freedom. Nothing. From the finest goodness of a Mother Teresa to the assassinations of Putin. Nothing is left out. Given this teaching, says Dogen, if you arouse the thought of enlightenment, you will move forward on the way of enlightenment. The moment is already here. Do not doubt it in the least. So we can see that Dogen moves back and forth between expressing ordinary mind as intrinsic and yet the way that has to be followed and realized. And if you lodge again at either one of these poles, you're going to be stuck. So, naturally, Chow Chow asks the obvious question. 
should we direct ourselves towards it or not? How do I go about realizing it? How do I go about practicing it? Perhaps we should first ask ourselves, do we wish to direct ourselves towards it or not? And again, that's a multi-layered question because what we feel so strongly at one moment of inspiration may not carry us at, through one moment of deep doubt and fear. So we have to be clear on what we're doing with our life, what this life is about for us. If you want to awaken, you have to be clear on that. If your desire to awaken is dependent on how you're feeling in the outer circumstances of your life, you can have a very frustrating time of practicing because things are being left out. We're going to leave out the frustrating times of our life. Put them aside. We'll practice when it's good. Or we'll practice when we're frustrated and angry and hurting. And when it's good, we'll leave that out. Either way works. So within his own confusion, young Chao Cho asks, should we direct ourselves towards it or not? Should I grab it? Go for it? Go for the gusto? Or step back? Should I let it be a given? What should I do? Anquan says, if you try and direct yourself towards it, you go away from it. Do you ever try and grab a balloon with one finger? We all come to practice from a self-referential perspective. The perspective is powerful. It's how we think. It's how we usually act. It's how we judge others and ourselves. The awakened perspective, the true Tao, has no duality. Has no duality whatsoever. It is fundamentally without duality. Fundamentally, in all times and places and circumstances, without duality. There is, that's another way of saying there's nothing apart from it. If you're practicing Mu, there is nothing outside Mu. If you're practicing the breath, there is nothing outside the breath. If you're practicing this moment of awareness, there is nothing outside this moment of awareness. Now, we may step back and judge, oh, this and that, and have many thoughts about, yet still there is nothing outside it. So the awakened perspective has no duality whatsoever, yet it does not ignore duality. We are all within duality, as long as we have a thinking and feeling mind. So this is not some mind state that you achieve, that magically everything is one, And life is just fine, thank you. That is not ordinary mind. The question is, is our mind seen into and through and through and through deeply? In trying to realize the Tao, too, right? You trying to realize it. So Chow Chow, naturally, as students almost always do, goes to the other side. Amazing how we do this. 
if we don't try, how can we know it's the Tao? Okay, so you're telling me not to try, so, you know, how do I know if I don't try? And Chao says, the way does not belong to knowing or not knowing. It doesn't fall into trying or not trying. Knowing is an illusion. Not knowing is blankness or ignorance. If you really attain to the Tao of no doubt, it is vast and boundless. How could there be right or wrong in the Tao? It does not belong to knowing or not knowing. It doesn't belong to anything. And with these words, Chao Chao had a sudden understanding. To paraphrase the Faith and Mind Sutra, when knowing and not knowing are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. So that's how quick it is, right? One moment, samadhi and whole, completely at home and at peace, and the next moment, Something else. That's our mind. That's our whole mind. That's our ordinary, whole, complete mind. It's within us. When knowing and not knowing are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. The subtlety here is profound. It's ungraspable from the perspective of self and other. The only way that you can encounter non-duality is to be non-dual. You can't encounter it from duality. In other words, you can't encounter ordinary mind from the deluded ordinary mind. (laughs) And yet the deluded ordinary mind, too, is ordinary mind. So it can drive you kind of crazy trying to put this in all its intellectual boxes and make it all add up, right? So Chacho's questions come from a place of desperation, a demand to see it for himself. I can relate to this. You want so badly to see it, to awaken, to have a life that is free and unbinding. Yet how do you do it? If you go towards it, you push it away. If you just sit there, nothing happens. Great Master Matsu, from one of the earliest Zen masters in China, said of ordinary mind, there is no need to practice the way. How about that? Simply do not defile it. What does it mean to defile it? All kinds of fabrications and goal-oriented actions based on the duality of birth and death are defilements. Please to stop. Just stop. Splitting making judgments, and when you make judgments, buying into them. If you want to directly understand the way, he says, ordinary mind is the way. What is ordinary mind? It is the mind in which there are no fabrications. No biased value judgments, no preferences, no time or eternity, no dualistic thoughts such as common and sacred. In the sutra, it says it's neither the practice of a common, ordinary person nor the practice of a sage 
with the practice of a bodhisattva. Master Dogen says the ordinary mind of the world is the way to study the ordinary mind of the world is most delicate. With regard to the body, with regard to the mind, at all times we must study it as the ordinariness of the world. It cannot be far away. It can't be. You and Shakyamuni study together. Woman's commentary. Question by Chow Cho. Nanquen immediately shows that the tile is disintegrating. The ice is dissolving. <coughs> and no communication whatsoever is possible. Even though Chow Cho may be enlightened, he can truly, can truly get it only after studying for 30 more years. That's how the practice works. There may be moments of clarity and realization. They may be very clear to you. They may be very subtle. And in all cases, it's cumulative. In all cases, as you're sitting zazen and practicing when you get up to the best of your ability, you're cultivating samadhi. You're cultivating the depth of your awareness of ordinary mind. It can take a long time and practice before this becomes apparent to you. But while that long time is happening, your life is changing. You're seeing things differently in a way that's hard to measure, hard to articulate. If I were to step back and speak of it, I'd say you're seeing it from a less dualistic perspective. And you're being more sensitized to your suffering and the suffering and therefore the suffering of the people around you. So, 30 years is not long enough. You know, the, there's a famous story where someone uh, comes in, they're working on the koan mu, the breakthrough koan, and they, they ask the master, how long will it take before I see it? And the master says, oh, few, maybe two years, three years. And the student says, two years, three years. He says, no, 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 five years. Five years! No, 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 ten years. <laughs> Moomun's poem. Hundreds of flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, and snow in winter. If there is no vain cloud in your mind, for you it is a good season. Hundreds of flowers in spring. Why does Moomin say this? Is he just describing the seasons? Is he just describing early June, spring? Another translation says, if there, there are no hang-ups with trivial, triviality, such would be a most splendid season. I'll end with another poem. Studying the self, we forget the self. 
forgetting the self. The June morning is just as it is. The great gray sidewalk outside the door, the mid-morning sun. In this zendo of 40 eyes, the hands of the beggar are heavy with diamonds. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at cmm.mro.org.